Reports say the president is making some real headway on the border wall, but is he just drawing on a map using a sharpie? And some more news out of the White House press room where a mouse fell out of the ceiling and landed on the lap of NBC reporter Peter Alexander, which is when Trump stormed into the room and shouted, There's the rat. Get him. Try him for treason. Finally, Brexit. That's it. That's the sentence. You're listening to none of these stories tonight on Pod Save Reality. Welcome to Pod Save Reality, the podcast-based spin-off of Reality with Ahmad Qureshi, hosted by John Stewart. I'm kidding, of course. I'm your host, Ahmad Qureshi, and this is not a crooked media-sanctioned podcast, as it is something they can only dream to produce. Again, I'm joking. John Favreau, do not sue me. Anyway, on with the show. There is no doubt that we are living in, shall I say, unreal times. In that everything seems to be a shit show of perpetual absurdity and outrage. Absurdity and outrage that is so pervasive, so prevalent, that it makes you wonder whether anything really matters anymore. And I'm here to tell you that it does not. And that's the end of the podcast. Good night. Yeah, yeah no, I'm kidding. Uh, that would be a terrible way to end the podcast. It would not have wasted enough of your time. But really, though, I have no idea whether anything matters anymore. Because you see, stories come out and I read them or I listen to them or watch them or ignore them. Uh, and then I think to myself... What a wonderful world. Now, I think to myself, wow, well, this is a moment America could surely unite around. We have the opportunity to stand united in the face of adversity and see to it that we resolve the issues that lead us to such moments of national distress. But by the time I reach the end of that thought, the nation, oftentimes at the behest of the media, whether social or news, has already moved on to talk about the next big story or some other issue, or it spun the issue in a way so as to stonewall any substantive discourse. Mind you, this stonewalling is not paid for by Mexico. It's often paid for by lives. And these are lives we've counted. And we will continue to count because despite there being one portion of this country that is in good faith yearning to act eagerly, albeit sometimes too eager, there is also a portion that is either gaslighting the issue, misinforming their peers in bad faith, decontextualizing information regardless of how earnest the attempts to collect and report that information may have been, erroneously prioritizing some information or some issues over others or over non-issues, or it's the amalgamation of all these things, resulting in 
fashioning an alternative universe in which they believe they live. One that is either in part or heavily divorced from reality. Which is pretty much where this podcast comes in. You see, we will gleefully remarry reality with those who divorced it. Including myself. You didn't see that coming, did you? Now, I didn't divorce reality the same way that Mackenzie divorced Jeff Bezos. Uh, reality wasn't having an affair, nor did I receive a $69 billion settlement for my divorce. And let's face it, this was the biggest elephant in the room. My return to the satirical scene. As you know, I was the host of an award-winning television show. I'm, I'm joking. Uh, I mean, we did win an award, but only for an ad we made, not the show itself. So I don't really know what that says about the show, but it does mean that we made some kick-ass advertisements. Anyway, you guys pretty much know what happened from there. Thanos came along, did a snap, and I blipped away live on the air. I've got to say, I don't fully understand what Peter Parker was feeling when it happened. I mean, to me, it felt kind of like falling into the foam pit at Sky Zone. Soft and fun at first, until you realize you're surrounded by a dozen screaming children, and as you're wading your way out of there, your hand touches something wet that could have only been sourced from the presidential suite of the Moscow Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> but the point is, however much time has passed, I am back. Now, to be fair, while I was away, an attempt was made on my life. No, no. An attempt was made uh, to recreate the show as an animated one. But a series of misfortunate events, or unfortunate events, is it misfortunate or unfortunate? It doesn't matter. Uh, events that sucked uh, <laughs> derailed such an earnest attempt. But I digress. It's time... What is it time for? Ah, yes. It is time for the people of this great clusterfuck of a nation to come together and join me in either renewing their vows with reality or remarrying it all together, regardless of their faith or political and social leanings. Well, then again, I'm not an ordained minister. So I guess at the very least, uh, together we'll satirize the absurdity and the lazy attempts to sensationalize the news. Very much like we did on the old show. And with that, I welcome you to reality. So here's the deal. I was going to talk about this impeachment inquiry that's led to the president uh, being even more unhinged than he often is, but there is way too much to cover there, so instead I will take it easy by covering some other stories that have recently made the front pages. We begin with sports. The NFL suspended a player for the rest of the season for violating the unnecessary roughness rule. The decision by the NFL was made after factoring in the player's extensive history of rules violations and surprisingly, protests against the player, where members of police departments around the country would take a knee. 
In other news, a leaked audio clip published by The Verge appears to show Mark Zuckerberg to have said that Elizabeth Warren is an existential threat to Facebook. Meanwhile, an actual book concludes that most Americans would say Facebook's inability to self-regulate or held accountable by Congress poses an existential threat to democracy. Big news coming from the auto industry, where on September 16th, the United Auto Workers Union and General Motors failed to reach an agreement on a new contract by their September 14th deadline. We sent a correspondent down to Detroit that day to report on the situation with the workers and the conversation between negotiators. On strike! We're going on strike! I still don't know what strike means, but we're going on a strike! Hey, guess what, Mr. Krabs? Me and Squidward are gonna go on strike! A strike? Yeah! You mean you're gonna make picket signs? Yeah! And you're gonna make protest speeches? Yeah, yeah! And you're gonna demand me respect? Yeah! Well, well, that's that is not the right footage. That is just SpongeBob. Uh, let's let's try rolling uh, 110. The gentle laborer shall no longer suffer from the noxious greed of Mr. Krabs. Hey, what's that guy talking about? I don't know, but he's got a megaphone. We will dismantle oppression board by board. We'll saw the foundation of big business in half, even if it takes an eternity. With your support. No, 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 that's not it either. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. The strike is in its third week, and it is something neither party expected, especially as it now forces the union to compensate employees $250 a day from its strike fund. I believe we have a reaction of both the workers furloughed and the pockets of GM shareholders. No! No! Squidward! Also crying this week were a British couple who spent $11,800 on an Airbnb rental in Ibiza that didn't exist. And before you ask, yes. Yes, they were. And to find out who pretended they weren't, we turn to a country plagued with a history of racism and white privilege. That's right, none other than Canada where Prime Minister and man formerly known as a woke king, Justin Trudeau, is watching his dark past unravel right before his heavily caked up eyes. We begin with breaking news tonight. An image of Justin Trudeau has surfaced of him in brown face. Justin, what do you have to say for yourself? Uh, the fact of the matter is that I've, I've always, uh, and you'll know this, been uh, more enthusiastic uh, about costumes uh, than uh, is somehow, uh, is sometimes appropriate. Oh, well, that makes so much sense. You were just so enthusiastic that you went all in. Just had to get it right, like a cosplayer at Comic-Con. But tell me again, what was the context of this incident? In 2001, uh, when I was a teacher out in Vancouver, I attended an end-of-year gala where the theme was Arabian Nights. And I uh, dressed up in an Aladdin costume and put makeup on. Yeah, that, that really isn't helping. Neither is the fact that he is exponentially darker in that picture. Not only than Aladdin was, but also than the two actual brown people standing next to him. Like, bro, you're as black as the Alberta tar sands. 
you could have just gotten a spray tan. Or better yet, just did nothing to your skin and just wore the clothes. That's really enough. Brown people come in all shades too. But at least you regret it. You're sorry though, right? Excuse me, I mean, you're sorry though, right? I shouldn't have done that. I should have known better, but I didn't. And I'm really sorry. Uh, I uh, deeply regret that we, that I did that. Uh, I should have known better, uh, but I didn't. And this I didn't. is the only you ever done this to me. How do you feel about this coming out right now in the campaign? Uh, obviously, I, I regret uh, that I did it. Uh, it's not about timing. It's about having done something that I shouldn't have done. And I'm really sorry I did. Uh, I regret it deeply. I, I'm deeply sorry that I did that. I should have known better. Uh, but I didn't, and I did that, and I shouldn't have done that. Listen, it was something that I, I shouldn't have done many years ago, uh, and I recognize that I shouldn't have done it. Uh, I take responsibility for my uh, decision to do that. I shouldn't have done it. I should have known better. Uh, it was something that uh, I didn't think was racist at the time, but now I recognize um, it was something racist to do, and I am deeply sorry. Uh, and I can just uh, stand here and say that I made a, a mistake uh, when I was younger, and I wish I hadn't. I should have known better then, uh, but I didn't, and I did it, and I am deeply sorry for it. I'm going to be uh, asking Canadians to forgive me for what I did. I shouldn't have done that. I take responsibility for it. It was a dumb thing to do. I'm disappointed in myself. I'm pissed off at myself for having done it. I wish I hadn't done it, but I did it, and I apologize for it. You know a white man has fucked up when he apologizes a shit ton of times and he and says he's taking responsibility for his actions by asking people for forgiveness. And perhaps the Canadian people might forgive him because they're so nice. It's not like he did this at another party or something, right? When I was in high school, I uh, dressed up at a uh, talent show uh, and sang Dale. In, with 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 uh, with makeup on. Oh, for the love of God! Honestly, though, we should have seen this coming. If not for that famous saying, "Blackface once, shame on you. Blackface twice, shame on me. Blackface three times, and well, end up becoming a prominent head of state." <laughs> in fairness, this isn't necessarily a disqualifier for an elected position. Just take it from conservative leader Andrew Scheer. Uh, look, as long as someone takes responsibility for what they said and, uh, and, and, and addresses the fact that uh, in 2019 some things that may have been said in the past uh, are inappropriate today, uh, that uh, if anything that they've ever said in the past caused any type of uh, hurt or disrespect to uh, one community or another uh, and have apologized for that, uh, I accept that. You know, I accept the fact that people can make mistakes in the past and uh, can own up to that and accept that. What a principled stance from the conservative leader. Right? <laughs> Wrong! Shear is actually referring to multiple candidates from within his own party who have a history of making anti-abortion, homophobic, transphobic, racist, and anti-Muslim statements and postings on social media. But evidently, Shear will gladly stand behind them as long as they've taken responsibility for their past. When it comes to Justin Trudeau, however, Shear's willingness to be understanding and forgiving takes a different tune. 
Like all Canadians, I was extremely shocked and disappointed when I learned of Justin Trudeau's actions this evening. It was just as racist in 2001 as it is in 2019. And what Canadians saw this evening is someone with a complete lack of judgment and integrity and someone who's not fit to govern this country. Oh, I get it. For sheer, it's okay to say or do something racist if you own up to it, apologize, and grow from that experience. Unless, of course, you're of a different political affiliation. Then you're unfit to govern. What's most incredible about these positions is that they're literally three days apart, whereas Trudeau's indiscretion was years ago. I suppose that must mean Andrew Scheer is someone with a complete lack of judgment and integrity. We'll be right back. Thanks for putting up with that four second interlude. And I know what you're thinking. Ahmad, you just spent a solid five minutes ripping on Trudeau for his blackface and Sheer on being two-faced. But <laughs> don't you have other fish to fry? You're absolutely right. I should definitely be frying other fish. So let's turn to the coastal waters to find the fish that I will be frying tonight. All right, we got one. We got one. Well, it turns out the fish we've reeled in from the great North American waters is the... Really? Okay. It is, is the black crappie. Well, how about that? Black crappie, of course, being the fish named after Justin Trudeau attending a themed gala. <laughs> but as much flack as we're giving Trudeau for his past indiscretions, maybe we should turn our attention away to something just as relevant, yet more important. Perhaps we should focus our attention on the democratic process of selecting a new leader of the country. The Canadian elections are less than a month away, and it seems as though the tides are shifting. And little black crappy over here, the current prime minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, might not make it to shore, as instead, he goes canoeing. Now, in fairness to Trudeau, it seems like he needs this form of self-care. As opposition leaders continue to opine about the PM's youthful ignorance, Trudeau continued to row, row, row his boat gently up the stream against the raging waters that are the media and nation's fixation on the tamest of semi-non-scandalous scandals. Justin Trudeau is making some major policy announcements as the Liberals try to move past the blackface controversy. As Penny Daflos reports, one of the people in the photo scene around the world is telling CTV News he's decided to accept Trudeau's apology. Trudeau's chief rival still refuses to accept his apology despite forgiving gaffes from his own candidates and is keen to take advantage. After emerging from the water down in the polls, he did not promote the latest Fenty Beauty products to win back his people. Instead, he focused his message on the environment, coming on the heels of the global climate strike. Liberals are for moving forward, for you and for your family. And that includes protecting our environment and fighting climate change. When we were elected in 2015, about 1% of Canada's oceans and coastlines were protected. 
Now, just four years later, that number is at almost 14%. We'll expand the Learn to Camp program so that by the time they reach grade eight, all Canadian kids will have had the opportunity to experience camping and learn important outdoor skills. We'll also create a national Experience Canada program so that each year 75,000 kids who qualify will get to enjoy up to a four-day adventure with their families in one of Canada's national or provincial parks. And he took to Twitter to announce the eco-friendly policy, planting two billion trees over the next decade. Something NDP leader Jagmeet Singh had a seemingly negative take on, tweeting, Trees won't hide the pipeline you bought. Yeah, because if one tree falls in the forest, then causes a domino effect of trees falling in the forest, and you just so happen to be around to see it, you'll suddenly see the pipeline that Trudeau bought. So, fuck the trees. And that's a solid point. I mean, you can't argue with it. If you're ignoring, of course, the fact that planting trees is good however you look at it, and that the country is currently moving almost 300,000 barrels of oil per day by rail, which is less efficient and quite riskier than, say, a pipeline. Don't forget, of course, the secret FIPA agreement between Canada and China, signed and ratified by the Tories in 2014, which would have serious financial ramifications brought forth by China if the pipeline wasn't to be built. But who cares about the facts or trees, for that matter, am I right? Then, of course, there is Canada's favorite morally upright conservative, who had to get as far away as possible from Montreal's chapter of the global climate strike, Andrew Scheer. He was asked about his plan on the environment and how he will reach the Paris climate targets. What is your path to reach the Paris climate agreement? Our real plan for the environment, that is our path. Uh, it, uh, it does several things. It makes it more affordable for Canadians to invest in their own homes with this green homes tax credit. It also takes the climate change fight global. And it is the only plan that talks about exporting Canadian clean technology to help lower global emissions. Our path? Hey, matey. Well, our path is right here on ye old magical treasure map. We are here in the far west, and we have to make our way all the way east. There's no dotted line to show us the way, but look at all the things listed at the X that marks the spot. Doubloons! <laughs> Besides not having a clear path to reaching net zero emissions, Sheer and the Conservatives seem to be clear on two things. Scrapping the clean fuel standard, which hasn't even taken effect yet, and attacking carbon pricing. To reach those targets. Uh, under Justin Trudeau, we are falling further and further behind. And I do not understand why he is still going all in on a carbon tax that has been proven to fail. Proven to fail and proven to make life more expensive for Canadians. I believe Canadians will see through that and support our plan. Well, we know that the carbon tax isn't working. I've been very critical of it because it raises the cost of literally everything without reducing greenhouse gas emissions. We know that under the Liberal plan, we're falling further and further away from our targets. That's why I was so proud to un unveil our real plan to protect the environment that focuses on green technology, not taxes. With, uh, with investing in green technology, not taxes, 
with our green patent tax credit, with this green homes renovation, uh, the green homes tax credit. Uh, these are all measures specifically designed to help lower Canada's emissions, but also lower global emissions. And that's a key point here. Uh, Canada is not the problem. Did you just all emissions matter Canadian emissions as a way to argue against the carbon tax? Man, here's the deal. Economists from all ends of the spectrum support carbon pricing, mainly because it's a Pigouvian tax, a kind of tax that puts a price on a negative externality, or something that harms society or harms those who are not involved in the production of that externality. For example, in this case, pollution is the externality. And that pollution is from inefficient uh, fuel transport, processing, and or production. Plus, the government can use the revenue collected from the tax to offset some of the marginally higher costs households may see during the transition to a clean energy economy or to aid in this transition by investing in cleaner tech. Cheer is here saying that these taxes are, quote, proven to fail, speaking of the federal tax and citing British Columbia as an example. And he is wrong, just dead wrong. Carbon taxes work around the world, from Australia and New Zealand to countries in the European Union dating back to the 1990s. But all right, let's use the Canadian example. The federal carbon tax has only been in effect since April, so it's not even a proper metric for success or failure. If you were trying to use it as, as an example, it would be akin to using Angel Baroa's 2007 batting average of less than 100 over nine games. For those of you who don't keep up with baseball, that is just a very shitty batting average. Imagine getting a 10 on an exam out of 100. Yes. Using British Columbia as an example makes a little bit more sense. They've had the tax since 2008. Uh, but here's the thing. Sure, 2017's emissions were a percent higher than the year prior, mainly because British Columbia has had a growth in population and economy. But the province's emissions are down from the 2007 baseline that's used to measure the change in emissions as a sign of progress. So, moral of the story, stop bullshitting the people. There's a lot of nuance to a topic like this, and you're boiling it down to ambiguous and or cherry-picked bullshit to mislead people into believing that good policies are shit and then voting for your deceptive ass. Besides, if they wanted to vote for someone with the moral integrity of a chocolate eclair, they'd vote for the chocolate eclair, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> or if they're not convinced by Shear's candidacy while being completely absorbed by the blackface scandal that I definitely keep peddling because I have way too many jokes for, they go to vote with the NDP or the Greens, and they dilute the liberal vote, probably giving Shear and the conservatives the victory anyways, learning nothing from global elections past. Perhaps Canadians need a Dickensian character to spawn from the flames of their fireplaces and show them how strategic voting works before they too wind up in a similar hell as those south of their border. With that, 
I thank you for tuning in to the inaugural episode of Pod Save Reality and hope that you support the show by sharing it with your friends, family, and acquaintances who follow you on social media. You can also show your support by contributing to our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash podsavereality. Don't worry, there is a link in the description and on our social media channels. Until next time, good night.